Welcome to Alger Assembly of God and welcome to Palm Sunday. Now, those of you that are with us live, you're with us right here on Palm Sunday. You are watching and experiencing this in person. Uh, if you're watching or listening online, you're going to be uh, watching or listening to this after Palm Sunday. But we're excited about today. It is Palm Sunday that we celebrate the triumphal entry. As you look at the Word of God, often the, the heading is the triumphal entry entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's, it's a day that we can get excited about because how many of you love parades? How many of you love parades? I mean, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different parades. Now, certainly in this last year or more because of COVID, things look a little differently and, and parades have pretty much been cut out. But on a typical year, right, there is a Memorial Day parade here in Alger. In our small community, we've got a Memorial Day parade and, and people gather and line the streets for a parade. Many different towns and communities have similar events, Memorial Day or, or July 4th, a, a variety of different parades. On a grander scale, how many of you enjoy watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? I mean, that's massive uh, with, with thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people Large, gigantic, uh, inflatable balloons and, and all kinds of incredible floats. Bands from high school and colleges and, and all kinds of people are a part of those uh, parades. Or how about the, um, uh, what is it, the Rose Bowl parade on New Year's Day, right? Same type of thing, except there's, boy, can you imagine how many flowers are used for just one of those floats? I mean, they're, they're covered with Flowers, roses, and otherwise, and you've got just many, many floats. So uh, you and I, we're, we're pretty familiar with parades. Uh, in fact, many sports teams use parades. Right here in Ohio, just a handful of years ago, how many of you remember, maybe you were there, I, I'd venture to say you at least remember seeing it on television, when the Cleveland Cavaliers finally won a championship with LeBron James, and it seemed like the city of Cleveland, maybe the entire state kind of shut down on that day. There were, I, I think, a million or more people lining the streets of Cleveland. And what was it to do? They wanted to be there to be able to see these important, world-renowned people who put a basketball through a hoop and won a championship. They wanted to be there. They wanted to catch a glimpse of the important people. That's a little bit on a grander scale in the, in the hundreds of thousands and maybe even into the millions. But what we've got today as we take a look in the Word of God, Palm Sunday is a little bit of a parade of sorts. People were gathering together to catch a glimpse of a pretty important person, Jesus Christ. But on this particular Palm Sunday, I'm going to have one question for you to answer the question is this, what will your response be to Jesus? Because we, as we jump into the story, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke's gospel in chapter 19. We're going to be encountering a number of different kinds of people, a number of different crowds of people, and there's a different kind of a response when it comes to Jesus. So we're going to look at a handful of those responses, and then at the end, I'm going to ask you the question, what will your response be? So turn with me to Luke chapter 19 as we begin reading in verse 28. Luke chapter 19, 
beginning in verse 28. After telling this story, and as you take a look at some of the verses earlier, previous to this, it's the parable of the talents, the owner who gave things to individuals. It says that Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. Quick thought on the side there. It's always good to be a disciple following after Jesus. And not trying to lead Jesus around. So Jesus was walking ahead of his disciples. Verse 29. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden it. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments over it for him to ride on. So in this passage of Scripture, the first potential Palm Sunday response is this. We can choose to live obedient. Basically, Jesus is telling them to go, bring him a donkey, and they go and do it. Now, I know typically uh, if, if you're someone who's been a Christian for quite a while and, and a Palm Sunday story from the Word of God is familiar to you, we just know that's part of the story. He says, go get the donkey, and they go get the donkey, and we move on. But imagine if we put that in a, a little bit more modern times, a little bit more modern culture. Let me phrase it to you like this. What if I, what if I turn to our board? So I, so I turn to Gary, and I turn to Mike, and, and I turn to Eric. And I say, guys, we're going to get ready for a parade coming up here in Alger, but I need a pickup truck. I don't have a pickup truck, but I know where there is a pickup truck. There's, there's one in Alger. It's brand new. Never been driven before. It's still got the temporary tags on it. Downtown Alger, and in fact, it's unlocked, and there's keys in the ignition. So Gary, Mike, Eric, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go find that truck, open the door, get in, start it up, and just drive it back to me. And if anyone happens to say anything, just tell them this. Pastor Mark needs it. How many of you think that would go over pretty well, even in a kind of a small, laid-back, easy-going community like Alger? I mean, do you think there's a chance that somebody might see this go down? Do you think there's a chance somebody might say something as it goes down? Do you think there's a remote chance that maybe a few choice four-letter words are uttered as this goes down? Do you think there's a chance uh, that there might be a firearm enter into the equation, a, a handgun or a shotgun uh, comes running out of that house as this is about to go down, right? I mean, that's, that's interesting. Uh, some of you have probably seen uh, some of the online videos, YouTube videos. You know, now we've got uh, cameras in our doorbells. Many people have the, the ring doorbell or other doorbells, and it, it records. So if there's motion, if something happens, it triggers and it starts to record. And, and video after video of what the people call or term porch pirates, right? 
people who order things from uh, online stores, Amazon, Walmart, etc., and uh, through the post office, through FedEx, through UPS, whatever, people will, will drop these boxes off at the porch. And there are people who drive around town just to see if they can see boxes and go up and swipe them because there's stuff in them that maybe they can use, sell, etc. Well, when motion happens, that, that ring video or other doorbells begin to record. And, and I, I saw one in particular where you see this car driving kind of slowly. I think it must have triggered the camera. It stops. Out jumps a young man who runs up to the porch, grabs a box, picks it up, begins to turn around, almost stumbling as he goes. Within seconds, the door opens, and in front of this video doorbell is a pretty large man with a pretty large shotgun. And you don't really hear, it's just video, but you kind of see the person pointing at the person with the box and pointing to the porch where that box was, holding up the shotgun. You see that young man stumble his way back, put the box where the guy with the shotgun's pointing, and stumble his way back to the vehicle, which is about ready to take off without him. That, that's kind of the approach when people tend to go after something that's not theirs. So, so this is pretty interesting. As we're reading here, the scripture in Luke chapter 19, Jesus says, go find the donkey and get it for me. And the disciples lived obediently. They went and got this donkey. Now, was Jesus simply tired? Was Jesus simply lazy, not wanting to walk? Well, He's actually fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy from the book of Zechariah. Jot it down. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. We read this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Now, he didn't tell them all of that. He just simply said, go find the donkey and bring it. And guess what? The disciples did it. They instantly obeyed without delay. They went and began to untie this donkey in obedience without even asking. I mean, if I was asked to do that, you know, I might kind of go to the house and trembling or fear or kind of knocking on the door. Hey, I've been asked to grab your donkey. <laughs> you cool with that? Can I? Pretty please. They did just what Jesus said. They went to grab that donkey. And then if anybody said something, they spoke what Jesus said to speak. The disciples obeyed. They didn't sit around and debate. What do you think we should do? They didn't form a committee to examine the potential opportunity of this donkey. They, they didn't say, oh, oh, we'll talk about it and get back to you, Jesus. They just did it. Nike's slogan is, just do it. They might not have been wearing Nikes, but they simply did what Jesus said to do. It was immediate, immediate obedience. Now, notice in, in your life and in my life, when we're on the giving end of instructions... We tend to want some immediate obedience, right? If you're a parent or a grandparent talking to a, a child or a grandchild, you want something to be done soon. 
If you're a boss speaking to an employee, if you're a, a teacher speaking to a student, typically you give instructions and you're, you're giving them. You want it to be obeyed. But here's human nature, right? If we're on the receiving end of instructions, we tend to be a little more lax, a little more delayed in our obedience. In other words, if I give instructions, you got to do it now. But if you give me instructions, I'll do it when I feel like it. When I get around to it, uh, the old round to it, there's people who have made the little wooden coins almost and wrote the words to it. Well, here's a round to it. You want to get around to it? I got one for you. So on the giving end, we say, do it now. On the receiving end, we say, ah, let me think about it. The disciples here were on the receiving end, and yet they obeyed immediately. They obeyed right away. So when Jesus instructs us to act, we've got to do so without hesitation. Thomas Akempis wrote this powerful quote. He said, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Now, we don't like that concept. Because we think if, if we're delaying obedience, what, what we're saying is, I'll get around to it, trust me. Jesus gave some pretty interesting instructions to the disciples, but they obeyed immediately. Notice as well, what Jesus was asking them to do, it wasn't the familiar. He was asking them to do something new. He's asking them to do something they'd never done before. We can tend to do this. We can tend to kind of pat ourselves on the back for doing things that he's instructed us to do that we're already doing. We pat ourselves on the back when it comes to the Ten Commandments. We pat ourselves on the back. Haven't committed adultery. Haven't murdered anyone. I've already done some of these things. But then we read in God's Word or, or we hear God's instructions, maybe to love our neighbor or maybe to have purity of speech or heart. And that's a little harder because maybe we're not doing it yet. It's, it's something that we haven't done before. Here's the disciples. Jesus, he's not saying to have a, a good heart towards your brother or towards your neighbor. He's saying, go find the donkey and bring it. And they went and did. So let me ask you, what is Jesus calling you to do that maybe you're not currently doing? What's he asking you to do that might be outside of your comfort zone? We, we know, hey, I'm already doing this. I mean, guess what? Jesus, I'm right here. I'm in person for a Palm Sunday service. I mean, what more could you ask? Well, there's a, a whole bunch of things in God's word that God's calling us to do. Maybe he's nudging you to be obedient to him in a different area. Maybe something you've not obeyed yet, something you've not done yet. When he speaks to your heart, when he speaks to your life, we are to follow his leading. We are to obey. It's not a matter of debate. It's a matter of obedience. So one of the responses you and I can have, not just Palm Sunday, any Sunday, any day, is this. We can choose to live obedient. We're going to continue in the text and see that a second response could be this. We can choose to stay shallow. Look at verses 36 to 38. It says, as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. It's, it's almost like you're rolling out the red carpet. We see those on awards shows and, and uh, special events. 
Verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. They were shouting, blessings to the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. Or other versions or translations would say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, oftentimes when a conquering king would enter a city after a time of warfare, he would enter on a horse, something that was rather impressive, sometimes more. History tells us perhaps that Julius Caesar, when he returned to Rome in 45 BC, was in a golden chariot harnessed to 40 elephants. That would be quite the procession. So, you know, a, a king who would come into a conquering city would come impressively, uh, but when a king would enter a city on a donkey, it was a sign of coming in peace. So it's a sign of coming in peace. It's also that, uh, again, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. But here are people, maybe somewhat a, a shallow, not so deeply rooted group of people, but they're praising and they're shouting and proclaiming Jesus as king. Many believe that Jesus was the Messiah, perhaps a military leader, hoping that he was going to come and overthrow the government. Maybe they believe that this marked the beginning of his reign as king. And so they're hoping for that. They wanted Jesus to be the one to overthrow the Romans. They weren't so thrilled with those in leadership, so we've got a brand new king. Yes, Hosanna to this king. Now, it's not exactly the same crowd. No doubt some of those people who were shouting Hosanna might have also been there just a handful of days later who were part of the crowds shouting crucify. They, they weren't so deeply rooted in this relationship with Jesus. It was superficial. It was on the surface. It was a little bit of a shallow connection to Jesus. They followed the crowd. They followed what was most popular. And so in today's day and culture, we see that many things are shifting away from God, shifting away from the authority of Scripture. And so if that's the direction that the majority of people or even that a good chunk of people are going, well, they're just going to stay shallow and follow that group of individuals. So unfortunately, many who are in the crowd and many who are in our culture and society today, they've simply got a shallow level or a, a surface level of connection to and trust in God. Unfortunately, there are many people who know about God, but they really don't know God. Uh, you might put it this way. They know enough to be dangerous, right? Just kind of surface level, kind of shallow. They, they know a little bit about God. They, they, they kind of know the Easter story. They kind of know the Christmas story. They, they kind of know some of the basics, but they've never really connected to Jesus, don't really have that rooted life in Jesus. They're, they're not trusting or following or obeying Jesus. Too many times, People can be shallow or superficial in that when they come to Christ or they come to hear about him, they think, if I turn my life to him, life's going to be perfect. How many of you know life with Christ is not perfect? In fact, sometimes it can be downright difficult. 
Because we go through some difficult situations. We go through some challenging situations. The good news is that Jesus has promised to be with us and to walk with us through everything that we face. But some individuals with just a surface level or a shallow view of God, as soon as difficulty happens, as soon as challenges or hardships arise, turn away from and walk away from God. Maybe, maybe on a surface level, someone would be apt to show up on a Sunday or apt to open up the Bible here and there, but there's, there's no real regular faithful connection to Jesus. And so we see some in this crowd seem to be on the shallow end. They knew enough about Jesus to think he was the king, and so they shouted and they put their palms and, and uh, the, the garments on the crowd ahead of them, on the, the road ahead of them. They were focusing more on convenience than on commitment. And many, many years later, for you and I today, that's a choice that we have. We can choose to stay shallow, not to dig in a little deeper, not to grow a little deeper in a, in a deeper way with Jesus Christ, but to just kind of stay on the surface, know a little bit about God. So what's the choice going to be? So far, we've seen that we can choose to live obedient we can choose to stay shallow. Number three, we can choose to remain religious. Now, you hear that word, and, and we hear religious. Well, that's a, that's a good thing, right? I mean, you've heard people say, well, he or she, they're pretty religious. And typically what that means is, I think they go to church. They talk about God. They might possess a Bible. Therefore, they are religious. Well, there are some religious leaders of that day called the Pharisees, and and they were present on that Palm Sunday, too. Check out verses 39 and 40. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Now, they're referring to what we just talked about. Many people who are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Rebuke them. I mean, that can't be you. Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. In other words, the very stones are going to cry out if they don't praise, if they don't worship. They understood what these crowds were saying. They were calling Jesus the Messiah. And they felt that was blasphemy. I mean, certainly no one's the Messiah except the Son of God. And well, you can't be the Son of God. They didn't believe he was worthy of praise or glory or honor or all of the attention he was getting. And so they're trying to keep a lid on things and remain religious. They were the religious leaders. They were overseeing many of the spiritual things, many of the laws, the spiritual laws. They were overseeing hundreds of laws. Now, back into the Old Testament, we know about the Ten Commandments. And yet, though they are specific, they are sometimes a little vague or a little general. Honor the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep that holy. Well, what does that mean, and how do you remember it? How do you honor it? And so over these next hundreds of years, there would be many, many hundreds of specific laws on how you do some of these things. And so they were holding so tightly to the letter of the law, they were missing out on the heart and the spirit of the law. For instance, these religious leaders, these Pharisees, were criticizing Jesus because his disciples ate food without washing their hands. 
Now, in today's COVID era, we know a lot about hand washing. We know a lot about cleanliness, and, and there's ideas about masks and hand washing and all those things. And listen, washing your hands, that's a good thing. How, how many of you agree? You know, you had, you had kids, you say, wash your hands before supper. You know, who knows where you've been? Who knows what you've done? You know, you've been out playing in the mud puddle. Go wash your hands. That's a good thing. But they were so focused on the fact that the disciples didn't wash their hands this one time, they criticized Jesus. And Jesus' point was this. Listen, cleanliness is more about clean hands and clean food. It's about what's on the inside, right? The clean heart and the clean life before God. But, but they were so focused on the letter of the law that they didn't wash their hands. Or about this. The Pharisees, these religious leaders, they rebuked Jesus for healing on the Sabbath and mentioning about taking an ox out of the ditch. Again, remembering the Lord and honoring the Sabbath, keeping it holy, they specifically defined it as do no work on the Sabbath. So if you were to go and bring your ox or your animal out of a pit, it would be work. And when Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, that's no good either, because healing someone is technically work. So how dare you, Jesus, how dare you do work like healing somebody who's blind or healing somebody who's lame? I mean, in reality, their thought was lame. Because the attitude was, Jesus is saying, this is about people, people are important. Healing someone on the side. You shouldn't do that. So Jesus is saying, should we, should we wait until the next day to heal somebody? So the religious leaders, they were so focused on checking the boxes off of being a religious person, they missed out on the heart of and the spirit of God's law. The Pharisees were big on religion, but not big on relationship. And if we're not careful, that could apply to individuals in our lives today. Are we so determined to do some good things for God, we miss out on spending relationship with God? Are we so busy to check off the boxes to say, I did this, I did this, I did this, but we neglect a communication, we neglect a relationship with the God who creates some of those very boxes that we're hoping to check? There's a, there's a lot of good things that we can do I'm thankful you are here. You're in person. I'm thankful some of you, you're watching, you're listening online. Perfect attendance doesn't get us to heaven. It's a great thing to do. There's a lot of good things that we can do. But are we connected to Jesus personally or are we just kind of checking off a couple of good things? I went to church. I think I'm good for the week. So Monday through Saturday, I just live how I want. I'm kind of religious. Yeah, I go every so often. But there's really no relationship on a daily basis with the one who's created us. That kind of describes the Pharisees. So are we caring about the appearance of things or the application of things? Are we doing some of the good and godly and so-called religious things because we feel we have to? Or because we desire to and grow in our relationship with God? Frederick Buchner wrote this. The trouble oftentimes with religious people is that they try to be more spiritual than God himself. Maybe you've met somebody like that. Spiritual, they know a whole bunch about God. 
Maybe they know a bunch of trivia about God, but there's no real connection, no real relationship. It's maybe a little deeper than the superficial and shallow individuals, but it's really about checking off boxes to say, I can pat myself on the back. I did some good things. The Pharisees, they were holding on to check off the spiritual boxes, but they really were not connected in a relationship with Jesus. So we've got a handful of choices so far. Like the Pharisees, we can remain religious. Like many in the crowd, we can stay shallow. Like the disciples at the beginning, we can live obedient. The fourth and final crowd I want to point your attention to. The fourth and final choice or response is this. We can choose to continue oblivious. Verses 41 and following. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls, encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. That prophecy was fulfilled a number of years later as Jerusalem was destroyed. But imagine, Jesus Christ was there. He was in person. He's called the Prince of Peace. He was in town. He's called the Messiah. He's riding through the streets. He's the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, and He's touchable by a human hand. The Son of God could literally give you an autograph. If it was modern-day times and culture, you could literally take a selfie with Jesus heading down the street. But they were oblivious to who and what he really was. They wanted him on their own terms. They, they didn't see in Jesus what they had sought. They were seeking a, a king, a ruler, a, a military one, hoping for the here and now. We don't like our, our government. Overthrow it and, and lead us. Jesus was coming in with, with the, the spiritual aspect of his kingdom. He showed up and the, the people, many of whom, remained oblivious. They didn't have a clue. Could that potentially describe you or I today? That maybe God is up to something in your heart and in your life. That maybe he's been trying to kind of reach out and, and tap you on the shoulder in a time of prayer or in a time of reading God's word or something in a service or something in, in a special gathering, and you've just kind of been oblivious. Sometimes we can be oblivious. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, the dad thing in us, but, uh, you know, guys, we, we can tend to, to be in our own little boxes, that's one of the things, uh, way back, Kimmy and I, we read a, a marriage book together, and it's, you know, men are like waffles, uh, women are like spaghetti. And, and one of the, the basic thoughts is that, men, we can kind of get into one box. We, we function in one thing, typically one thing at a time. Women tend to be a, a little better, much better, in fact, at multitasking. And so sometimes it's the, the dad response, and I know it happens to me. Maybe it happens in your house. We're watching TV, and so I'm locked in on the box, right? I'm, I'm in TV mode. I'm in the box mode. I'm watching. All of a sudden, I hear, dad, dad, dad. Huh? <laughs> or, or other times, I'm watching, and, and I kind of, you know, there's some stuff or talking going on in the background, and then all of a sudden, it gets real quiet. And I didn't really hear what was said, but it must have dealt with me, and so I turn around, and I go, what? Huh? 
Now, now maybe that's just me, or maybe you experience a little bit of that in your house at times. Sometimes, uh, just oblivious to the fact I'm zeroed in on one thing and oblivious to something else. Here's what happened to the people in Jesus' day, many of whom, they were there. But Jesus said, you didn't recognize it when God visited you. You were present, but you didn't connect that this was Jesus, the Son of God, who was walking through your streets. Maybe God's been trying to get your attention. Maybe God's been trying to to nudge your heart, to get you to respond to him. And maybe to this point, you've been a little oblivious, kind of going past or walking past that. Maybe you've had opportunities, but you've kind of walked right on by. You didn't recognize what God was doing or saying or speaking into your life. Let me close with this story. More than a century ago, two sportsmen were sailing along the coast of Scotland. They anchored their boat at Inverness and went ashore to explore the countryside. At the end of the day, unfortunately, they got lost. And as darkness arrived, they decided to try to find lodging for the night. They knocked on the door of a humble cottage, requesting a meal and a bed and offering to pay for it, of course. Unfortunately, the farmer looked at the two men with suspicion, however, and sent them away. The two men then knocked on the neighboring cottage, and the owner welcomed them in. He gave them a warm meal and a bed for the night. Only in the morning did he come to discover that one of the men was Edward, Prince of Wales, who would later become King Edward V. Imagine the potential shame and regret of that first farmer who refused to recognize and open the door to his future king. He was oblivious. Listen, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He's showing up at your door. Will you recognize him and will you invite him in? Revelation, we read this, chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus says, behold, in other words, knock, knock, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. I close with the same question I opened with. Today it's Palm Sunday, and you've got one question. You and I have one question to answer. What will your response be? What will your response be? You see, we've got a choice. Like the people in Scripture, we can continue oblivious, overlooking the opportunities right in front of us. We can remain religious, doing good things for God, and instead of spending time with and connecting with God, we can stay shallow, content to focus on convenience instead of our commitment to Him. Or we could choose to be like the disciples who lived obedient and did what Jesus said, when He said it, and how He said to do it. The choice is up to you. 